podcast ain't played nobody. It's November. We're all gutting through this. Um, Bill, I feel like we'll get more excited about college football again. Not that we're not always excited and, and just really waking up every day with an undying passion to serve you, the listener, with information and um, statistical things, but there is a lull inside the season, and we have hit it. Sort of. Um, people are Look at more, you always optimistic. People are also getting more riled up and yelly at the moment. So I feel um, like that's why we are hitting our lull is because possibilities are dwindling for more and more programs. <laughs> and realities are emerging. And because we haven't quite settled on something yet, um, you know, 10-ish teams still very much alive, I think. Uh, people, have ta- people have taken a screaming at one another. And I guess what the, the two that you're suffering the most right now are people who do not like Alabama are yelling at you. And then people who do like Iowa are also yelling at you. Is that correct? Yeah, basically. And the, the people who I, I realize that North Carolina doesn't have the, the biggest football fan base in the world, but those who exist are very mad at me, too. So it's Which good. And, well, it's same, same as Iowa. My numbers don't like them. Um, at least don't like them as much as others, other numbers do. And, and Washington State fans are just kind of... When, when Bill's numbers don't like your team, um, what that means is that Bill himself personally dislikes your children. He dislikes the very fiber of your being, where you're from, the, the favorite local dish of your city or state. He detests all of that. Pretty Keep much, going. yeah. I mean... I try, it's just it's all out there now. There is one specific Iowa fan on Twitter who who really does think that I program my numbers to hate teams that aren't blue bloods, which I, I mean you kind of have to stretch the definition of blue bloods to get Navy as high as they currently are. But technically they were a power once in the mid forties. Um, granted, so was Iowa at one point or another before the turn of the half century there, but. Um, I, I, you know, this, this really is, this is part of the formula of the season. The, the names change. This year it's Iowa and, and North Carolina, and maybe to a lesser extent. Are you freaking kidding me? Oh, it was Bill this week. And, and the off button doesn't, there we go. The off button works now. Um, so, anywho. Yeah. So, so the numbers are... The names are different, but the the same, why do you hate my team? We've won all these three-point games against lesser teams. We're awesome because we win and we, we, we have clutch, you know. Um, and so I did try to explore that a little bit today on SBN. It ended up, are you shitting me? That's really good. It will not turn off. Oh, it's carpet. I thought you. I thought it was for uh, uh, hotels. Or there we go. I think it's off. Okay, keep it on. Free advertisement right there for if you're looking for carpet cleaning in the Columbia area. Um, golly, why did I do that? It went to voicemail out loud in the basement where there is no answering machine. Okay. Really trying to throw me off my game here. Um, Iowa. I, here's my question on Iowa. Okay, good. I, I, I need help here. We, we jumped right in to topics before we got on the show because we're having kind of a crazy uh, prep day. Um, 
I was on the SB Nation selection committee that will come out today, and I kind of came up with something on the fly, which is, is this just what we talk about when we talk about the Big Ten West? And you were very quick to reply that, well, Iowa's not really ever been convincing, regardless of who they've beat. So my theory, and Dan Rubenstein kind of batted this back at me and said, well, what if it's a, a more well-known entity like a Wisconsin? Right. But your theory is, well, what if it's just Iowa winning by seven to ten more points per, I don't know, let's say three or four of the games on their schedule? Right. I mean, I have a lot harder time explaining North Carolina right now than I do Iowa. Iowa makes sense to me, just like Michigan State made sense to me before they went ahead and lost and, and their fans stopped yelling at me. Um, you know, look at, you know, as I walked through this morning, you look at Iowa's schedule with the rankings associated with them. It starts to kind of make sense. They beat number 42, Pitt, by three. They, beat, they were tied with number 66, Iowa State, in the fourth quarter before they pulled away. They were up three late on Illinois, I think, and Illinois is 44th. They're, uh, they beat number 75, Maryland, by 16. Number 65, Indiana, by eight. Number 41, Minnesota, by five. I mean, none of that screams top 10 team. The, the top 10 results here have been they looked phenomenal against Northwestern. They really, really did. The problem is Northwestern looks a little bit worse and a little bit worse each mm-hmm. week pretty much. So they're now um, Northwestern fans are getting frustrated with me because they are, you know, they have two losses. They're on, uh, you know, on track for maybe a 10 win season. And they are now 58th in my numbers. Notre um, uh, Northwestern caught that Notre Dame scurvy. Apparently every time, every time you play Notre Dame, you get the scurvy unless you thumbs in because you're covered in orange. Wait, did they play Notre Dame? No, I was, it was just a joke. Okay. It beat them last year though. No, um, I, I like Iowa fans right now are struggling to, to hear jokes. Um, but no, it, Northwestern still awesome. They still beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin was granted kind of at a down point at that point because of injuries and whatnot. But that's still a good win. So that's two. <laughs> and otherwise, they've looked like basically a top thirty or thirty-five team. So twenty-eight might be a little low, but not that low, is it? I'm still stuck on the whole concept of you saying that Iowa fans have lost their humor. Um, is there a fan base that you deal with? Because your numbers elicit such a passionate response, positive and negative. Have you found a fan base that is main, is able to maintain their their um, churlishness through through <laughs> success? Because I can't think of one. Well, well, Clemson fans have found humor um, since you know my numbers started loving them. But no, it breaks my heart. Iowa fans are great. Iowa fans are are. Um, among at least in the SB Nation universe, among the funnier ones out there. Um, but then, <laughs> when they think their team is better than you think, or that, that your Excel sheets think they're they are, um, they you know there's less humor. And and I did, by the way, completely poke the beehive here this morning with my uh, with my my column Twitter uh, post that went along with <laughs> a, what, what I think is a pretty reasonable article, really. Um, and of course, then you can tell immediately who does and doesn't actually click and read it before responding. But no, I mean, Iowa, I kind of get it. I, I would prefer them to be a smidge higher because I think they're probably not 28th. They're more in that 15th, 20th range. North Carolina has just been awesome. And so I've been struggling to explain away their, the fact that I have them number 30, other than the fact that my numbers hated their September, hated it. Uh, with the South Carolina loss and the two games against FCS teams. And since then, my numbers have been just fine with North Carolina. It's just they started so low that they're only now starting to creep up. But um, I really... Clemson and you're in. How about that? 
Yeah, pretty much. I really, though, I feel worse for Washington State fans right now because they're so much enjoying this run they're on, and they like me. Like, we've had a lot, I've, you know, they're one of the first sites that, within the SBN network that really kind of adopted some of the things I was doing and talked about them a lot. And every single week they go, okay, now did we rise in your numbers? Let's see. Right. Uh, no, 71st. My advice to Wazoo fans right now um, is enjoy the hell out of this because it is a experience you get to have in a bubble, which is that you're winning games that you, you weren't expected to. You're doing it in a fun way. You're you're rediscovering why you're a fan of this team in the first place. But in this is all sort of like capped off and an asterisk away from like division and conference and title debates. So don't worry about rankings. It well, reminds I'm- me like – when I would talk to my friends who were still in Oxford at Ole Miss in 2008, after so many years of being really, really bad, all of a sudden the dumb Houston nut stuff was like <laughs> on the positive side, which which does definitely come before the fall. And, you know, they, they beat LSU and they beat Auburn and they, they had a great time doing it. And that's – focus on that. Focus on the – if you're Wazoo, how long have they been in the desert? They've been in the desert a long time. Yeah. So j- just, dude, you're winning football games. And, I mean, I kind of said that in the piece today, too, and that's just my thought in general. Like, the numbers, they're good at predicting things. And, by the way, you know, over the last four weeks, you know, these numbers that everybody hates now are like 55 or so percent against the spread, like perfectly fine. Uh, The win projection stuff has been almost too accurate in that, you know, if I say you have an 80% chance, it seems like you now have more like a 95% chance. But, you know, so I'm, I'm perfectly happy with where, what the numbers are, and I don't have to agree with everything they're saying. But the thing about the numbers is they're good at predicting stuff forward, and that's fine. And they're, I use them mostly to, to look at big-picture stuff. Like, in, in game to game, I look at matchups more than anything else. They help me with talking about matchups. But, you know, in the offseason with the previews and everything, it's all about, you know, big-picture, where are you really and where are you going and all that stuff. When you're in the middle of a win streak, don't, who, don't care about the numbers. Top worrying they're not my especially mine they're not setting some sort of agenda they're not setting the narrative so to speak if iowa wins out they're in the playoff if north carolina wins out they might not be in the playoff but they're going to be in a really good bowl game um if washington state wins out i don't know at the very least they're going to like san antonio or something so that's awesome But if you're iowa you're undefeated you're in you're in the what second best conference in college football and you're undefeated (laughs) for a double digit i get that I, I I get the the oh, such a southern way of saying him and Holland, but if you're Washington State, you lost to Portland. Just enjoy this weird thing that's happening. Right, it doesn't have to be more than it is. It's just fun. Why that's am I having awesome. to tell Washington State fans to to relax and drink copiously? <laughs> Something is wrong here. Well, this is the downside of winning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, two, okay, so two years ago, Missouri was on an awesome run. They, you know, they led Auburn in the third quarter of the SEC title game. If they win that game, they're in the, in the BCS championship game. My numbers would have projected them to get slaughtered by Florida State, and they probably would have. And do you think I cared about that when they were leading in the third quarter against Auburn in the SEC title game? No, no, I did not. Um, that, you know, whether it's accurate to see in seeing the future or not, who cares when the present tense is fun? So just – Live in the present tense. It's great. It's a great place to be. I wish I was there this year. Um, other than the crap that you take from your data, what is most on your mind this week? That um, And maybe we'll bottle off Missouri for a second. But <laughs> what is most on your mind uh, when you get outside of, like, not only 
not only the the rankings for or, the, or sorry the ratings but the the top side of the rankings is anything jumping out at you i kind of want to go on a bent about g5 schools but i, I don't know if I want to do that for the 10th or 20th time on this show. I was about to say, this is a safe space for exactly that. Um, Well, right now, I mean, the two things in terms of, you know, the teams I've been watching really closely because either I like them or the numbers do or whatever, Clemson laid a pretty big egg last week to the point where, I mean, they had a humongous lead in our ratings and Alabama caught them um, because Alabama just looks more and more like the killing machine they've been before. And Clemson had one bad week, and that was enough. Like, they're dead even now, even though Clemson had a big lead. So I'm curious about that. Every team has iffy games. Um, and, but now Clemson, uh, well, we'll see. Well, Clemson hasn't had an iffy game to respond to in quite a while, so we'll see how the well they actually respond to it. The other thing is Michigan's defense hasn't looked good in a while, or at least as good. This is like three straight weeks where they've been – well, they handled Rutgers okay, I guess, but Minnesota – uh, Michigan State, Minnesota, and, and now Indiana have all pushed them around a little bit. And um, that's really not what you want to see when you've got the big Ohio State game uh, coming up pretty soon. So, And that was weird. I've been so looking forward to such a big Michigan-Ohio State game. I found myself conflicted watching Indiana-Michigan because, I, I, oh, man, I wish Kevin Wilson could win one of these games. I wish Indiana could win one of these games at some point. But I also wanted a big Michigan-Ohio State um, I guess it would have been no matter what because Michigan would still have a chance to kill Ohio State's playoff bid or whatever. But, um, no, I, I, for the record, I did end up rooting for Indiana. And Michigan did look really, really shaky on defense. I, I saw, you know, on Twitter, everybody, it, you know, it is the sports bar where everybody's talking big. And I saw a bunch of people talking about how, you know, Michigan's defense was overrated all along and all that. No, it wasn't. What, what they did in the first half of the season, like Alabama hasn't even done. Even, even taking opponent into account, that defense was amazing. Clearly, it's not amazing anymore, and, and we'll see how, how, how well they can rally that. So, um, yeah, those are, I think, probably the big things to me. The other thing in, front, in terms of numbers is Navy is number 10 in F-plus now. Like, my numbers love them. They're 12th, but Primo's love them even more. It's, they, he has them 7th. Like they have, they're, they're just good. They, they've got a defense. Their offense is as good as ever. They've only lost to Notre Dame. Like that's, they're really, really good. Sitting in a work conversation yesterday, trying to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of the season. Uh, have had, have, have had the, have had, has had the uh, TCU Baylor game circled for quite some time. And uh, to, to the shock of absolutely no one listening, I think I'm going to go to Navy instead, playing <laughs> Houston, because we are the official podcast of the American Athletic Conference. Um, I, I don't know if it's too football nerdy or whatever for for the outside world. I think if you're listening to this, you are a nerd. But the co- like the idea of Navy breaking the committee in year two fascinates me. Um, the idea of, of Houston still being undefeated um, – that's just more compelling. If we end up with a with a mush, a gruel of these, like a series of one loss Big Twelve teams, that's simultaneously compelling, but also it feels a little redundant because of the things we've talked about already this season, because of everything that happened last season. Um, is it mathematically possible, Bill, to have the the top four teams all finish with one loss now? No, because a one loss Baylor and a one loss TCU will will play each other. Um, I just, 
for whatever reason, I feel a lot of the wind has, has, has kind of gone out of my sails up top there, Bill. That's not a... You spent too much time in Missouri this week. I mean, well, the uh, there's plenty of... Oh, God, there's so much wind. How do you... I don't know how you live. It's not I, always... I into this on the radio. I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I'm pretty... They, they just, you know, a few years ago put up like a thousand wind turbines in, in the town I grew up God. in. God. Um, it was brutal. But yeah, Kansas City is basically, I mean, it, it takes everything that has left Oklahoma and Kansas. It, it, it absorbs a ton of weather. Uh, Columbia is uh, not that bad. St. Louis isn't that bad from a weather standpoint. But Kansas City gets just crapped on. I, look, I, I, I'm being short-sighted because if we're in a BCS scenario, a lot more there, there are a lot fewer possibilities existing in, in the middle of November than there is with this playoff. I just feel like for whatever reason, like watching Baylor go down, watching LSU go down like you're starting to see a clearer picture and that's kind of sad it, it is a signal that we're getting close to the end of the season but um I think there's just when the inevitability sets in it's not quite as fun um then they announce the teams and then you sort of start really focusing in on those matchups it's funny now because you're you're looking at the a, a high possibility of some recent rematches in, in the college football playoff you're looking at like Alabama Ohio State as a possibility Alabama-Notre Dame from the national title game a couple years ago is a possibility. Clemson played Ohio State in the Orange Bowl two years ago. That's a possibility. And then Clemson played Notre Dame uh, this season. So I don't think at this point we're going to see Clemson and Alabama play unless it's the title game. Um, I, I think it's funny, by the way, the, the inevitability that Alabama carries with it. Like our boss, of course, uh, Spencer, has, is, he's, he's reached the point of the season where he's like, God, Alabama's going to win everything again, aren't they? I almost whenever I almost start to root for like when when everybody rages against something, especially if it's something that my numbers like, and therefore I catch that rage, I end up kind of rooting for it. Um, I, I really like Mississippi State, and I thought they would give Alabama more of a game, but at the same time, I was just watching that going, "Damn, Alabama like played like crap on offense for a quarter and a half, and still led like twenty-one nothing." You know, that's it because was, the worst thing that can happen to you if you're if you hate a, a team like Alabama is Ole Miss winning that game yeah. in the third week of the season. Focused them right off the bat. Oh, I mean, because that that allows them to tear everything down and reorganize immediately. They have a mandate to change personnel to turn into, you know, whatever they turn into behind closed doors in terms of, like, a totalitarian environment, <laughs> uh, which is everything I've ever heard from anyone ever associated with Saban. They got what, I, I mean, I think in a sick way, he, he almost can appreciate it. Also, they got to play in as much obscurity as Alabama gets to play in for yeah. about three or four weeks. Yeah. The attention is entirely off of them. All the dumb September talk that we foster goes to a program with with really bad knees like Ole Miss, who's just gonna. I mean, they're they're not gonna be able to shoulder that. They didn't. Uh, and then I oh, oh there it is. We're we're like a week and change from Thanksgiving, and Alabama is the murder machine again. <laughs> so, but I it's think, funny, like the, you know, we talk about inevitability and whatnot. But if you look at the rankings, I mean, Alabama and Ohio State are right there where they were supposed to be. But look at everybody else. I mean, I guess a lot of people did think pretty highly on Notre Dame. So there's that one. Um, but otherwise, at the top of the rankings, you've got Clemson and Iowa and Oklahoma State. Um, last week, you still had Baylor up there, but Stanford was uh, a resurgent tale. You still had I uh, Utah at 10. Uh, obviously, now, like, you know, Baylor and Utah will get replaced by, like, Florida and Oklahoma, which I guess feels more blue-bloodish. But still, you still have Oklahoma State and Clemson and Iowa as, as – whatever Cinderella's tale you can be. That's almost an insult to Clemson because they've been a top 10 or 15 program these last few years, but never number one. 
Uh, so we have a lot of unexpected stories. It's just when Alabama and Ohio State are sitting there, um, it does start to feel like that. that's it. That's the only – like we can see the future. We know what's going to happen. Now, I guess it would be kind of interesting if Alabama and Ohio State end up playing in the semis again, which would allow some other story to develop. But I'll, let me keep this going just and we get to answer about seven or eight of the questions we solicited for a lot of people are asking this same version of the question is or different version of the same question is that what is the what kind of craziness could you cheer for what, what, what's your weirdest possibility in a playoff um, you can find a way to bang everybody up but I think within logic and reason um, probably the the biggest quagmire you could create Bill you, you help me as we go uh, everybody in the pack or everyone in the Big 12 having a loss, um, uh, North Carolina knocking off Clemson, um, an Michigan, Michigan an beating both Ohio State and Iowa. Yeah, Mich- so Michigan State coming in. <laughs> what, what if Michigan State runs the table? That's, that's one. Um, because then you come down to a the, not really come down to the pass interference call, but close or out of bounds call. Yeah. Um, Navy keeping on, keeping on. Um, although I don't know if that really matters at all, honestly. Um, just, just, just to screw with the other bowls. Um, Florida beating Alabama, but again, how crazy is that? Like, what's what's your definition of crazy? Yeah. Um, mathematically, I think the weirdest thing that could happen in the West is Bama dropping to two losses by losing to Auburn would open the door. For for the only team we could open the door for is Ole Miss if Ole Miss beats both LSU at home and Mississippi State on the road. Um, that, I think, is honestly the answer. Because yeah, the SEC has to throw everything it's got behind Florida with Treon Harris <laughs> if they want to end up in this playoff. Because a 7-3, and th- or not 7 and 3, a 9-3 and three Ole Miss team is not. I don't think they're making the playoff. No, 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 so, no, not at all. Yeah, that's probably still the craziest thing would be Auburn beating Alabama. God, it it always comes back to Bama. Yeah, I would say, you know, that that's not unheard of, Auburn beating Alabama for maximum craziness. But, God, Auburn's got to show me something. Um, I mean, they're just going to get – I mean – College, you know, one thing I mentioned last week as almost a way to bait Syracuse into beating Clemson was that um, one of the, the things with my numbers that I'd noticed was that, like, if you have a 90% or higher chance of, of winning, uh, you know, from a projected standpoint, if, you, if you're 90% or higher, you're winning like 98% of the time. We've only had three teams all year with that 90% range, in that 90% range losing. And so if, we'll probably do a couple of those. And so that was my way of hoping that, you know, even though I really enjoy Clemson, Syracuse beating Clemson would have been amazing. Um, so maybe we are kind of doing Auburn beating Alabama or something like that. But it, well, if the math is telling you that, then, I, then I'm, I'm putting everything I've got on Ohio State losing one of their next two or Clemson, <laughs> or Clemson losing to North Carolina. Well, those aren't going to be in the ninety percent range, though. That's not that's not crazy enough, Stephen. We, we need. Uh, OK, I thought you meant that like 90 percent in the S&P percentile. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, if you're given a ninety percent chance of get, of winning, oh, win. oh, oh, win probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, is that? I don't even know if we have one of those left. We really don't. Well, and one of the ones, it's funny. One of the ones that did happen um, is was like Furman beating UCF because it was too early in the year for the numbers to have caught on how bad uh, with how bad UCF was. So really, 
we, that one doesn't even hardly count. So we've barely had any massive, ridiculous upsets. And I don't think Auburn, Alabama is going to fall into that 90% range, but it's going to be pretty close at this point. So maybe, yeah, let's just put all our, uh, all our ha- hang our hat on one massive, absurd upset changing everything. I, 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 that's probably not a safe, uh, uh, a safe thing, but you know, we can hope. Um, we'll jump into some reader questions. This is a very uh, static week. Not a lot has changed up at the very, very top other than a couple interesting teams being removed from playoff consideration. Stanford, LSU, um, probably Baylor. Uh, let's start with... I'm going to uh, put a pin in any coaching talk right now. How about that? So um, if you send a coaching question in... Um, I don't speculate on that because I try and report on it. So some of you have asked me specific questions related to jobs that I'm trying to find the answer to. So I can't really talk about that right now. Um, uh, at RW Maxi, uh, the committee's fine with one loss teams. Say Clemson loses to UNC in a fluky ACC championship game. Uh, still in? Yeah, that's kind of one of the things that we're not necessarily envisioning very well right now is, you know, we're talking about teams like Ohio state or Clemson losing and getting knocked out, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, Clemson, I think would still have a very good case I mean, obviously the stats would still love them, although that the committee won't care about that, but um, they would still have Florida state and Notre Dame on their, on their list uh, of defeats. And if North, if North Carolina wins out, you know, I think that NC state game in a couple of weeks is going to be, really really tough but if they went out yeah. to get to 11 and 1 uh, you lose to an 11 and 1 team you've beaten Notre Dame and FSU who are probably like 11 and 1 and 10 and 2 or something right. that, that you probably still get in I think uh, and, and you know that'll depend on the Big 12 that'll depend on everything else obviously but I'd say your chances are still pretty good um, hmm. I'm looking through I'm, I'm trying to pivot our conversation as I sort of sort through the um uh, uh, colleague David Fox over at Athlon at David Fox six one five. Besides your beloved AAC teams, <laughs> how how dare you? Which group of five uh, team and their opponent do you want to see in a January one bowl? Okay, so a G five school that's not AAC in a Jan one bowl. Uh, I think Toledo's still really good. I think it won't, freaking won't happen, but it would be awesome to see Western Kentucky. I was gonna say Western Kentucky is really strong and. Um, uh, How about know. Western Kentucky and Stanford? It oh, won't man. happen, but it would be a really neat game to watch. So that is my answer. <laughs> okay. We, we kind of saw that game with Western Kentucky LSU, but um, Stanford's maybe a little faster on offense and a little uh, – well, that's not the right word. They're a little different on offense, maybe a little better overall on offense than LSU and uh, not as good on defense. So maybe that would turn into a little bit of a shootout. Um. At S. Cavendish, uh, my buddy Steve Cavendish. This is the friends and family show. <laughs> questions. Um, what is the great hope, the set of results that will force the playoff committee into doing something really dumb? Bill, I'm going to have to put a time limit on your response here. Um, I know your vile hatred of the process in which the committee uses, so try and narrow down your answer to something specific to right now and not an out-and-out indictment of the entire process. I mean... <laughs> I mean, the big, the big thing would be the big thing on the table that we don't necessarily know about is like a two loss major conference champion um, getting in over 
I, I kind of, you know, Houston isn't the best example here because of their schedule. Memphis has beaten Ole Miss, and if, like, Navy were undefeated with a win over Notre Dame, one of those two where you've got the power win, um, if, if like, a 10-3 a and three or an 11-2 and two or 10-2 and two power conference champion gets in over a 13-0 and 0, uh, group of five with a scalp, that would drive me crazy. I think a two-loss Notre Dame getting in over a one-loss um... – Big 12 champion. Big 12 champion. Um, the problem is, I don't know if Notre Dame would survive taking the late, taking the loss that late. I knew I was going to screw that sentence up. Well, and Stanford, Stanford losing again doesn't help them either, obviously, because then, you know, if you lose, well, I guess if you lose to Stanford, they maybe steal your spot. So now Stanford's Ooh, not going to steal your spot. Okay. Not to interrupt. Give me a 10 and 2 Florida team with a loss to the Knolls beating Alabama, because it's not about who you lost to, Bill. It's about who you beat. <laughs> and body clocks. So um, let's, let's let's say a two-loss Florida team makes number makes the, the fourth spot and uh, knocking out a a one-loss Oklahoma like, or oh, Baylor. How about that? Or Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ew, yeah. That'd be that'd be gross. Right. And that'd totally, be and totally possible. That would be an interesting test of the, you know, one of the things that have popped up this week uh, over the weekend when um, everybody was like, well, the Pac-12 has officially been eliminated from the playoff. Um, I hate that kind of thinking because you don't, you know, eliminate conferences, you eliminate teams. Um, and then that, that got a kind of a pushback of, you know, I saw some of our Pac-12 SBNers talking about, you know, the, you know, nine game schedules and we're getting punished for nine game schedules and all that. And, you know, being more competitive. We're, we're getting punished for being more competitive. That's not true. Pac-12 might be the worst power conference team or conference this year. But, um, you know, it's still kind of, that would be an interesting test of that, the idea that the SEC is too good to be eliminated from the playoff. I hate that thinking. I and mean, that's how, you know, I thought it was dumb that the SEC, you know, was getting considered the best conference because of the big, long title streak. That just means you had one great team. That doesn't say anything about everybody else. And, of course, on the flip side, I've also found it dumb that people are trying to push back and say it's not the best conference because they haven't won a title in three years. I, you know, I, I'm just impossible to please, basically. But that would be interesting. Florida winning the conference at 11-2 and two would be an interesting test of do we have to put the SEC champion in. I don't think they would, honestly. I think, you know, if there's an 11-1 and one Big 12 champion, I think they get an over Florida. But that would be a I test. Think one, I think 100%, Bill, they would. I, I think 100% they should not. But I think they would. I really do. They're pretty low, though, right now, especially. They were, like, 11th in the rankings last week. I mean, I guess now they'll be, like, 8th, so they would be within range. Um, but if they lose again, they'd be they'd be 10th or 11th heading into that playoff. So I don't, I don't think they would, but I don't really want to – I don't want to find out. I don't want to find out and be proven wrong on that because I, that would infuriate me. Um, <laughs> some of these are so terrible. Not terrible questions, just got a lot of nihilists that listen to this show. Um, uh, at uh, Hutch and Go, which playoff contender is most susceptible to a head-scratching loss that knocks them out of the race? We've, we've treaded over this a bit. I am going to still go with, hey, how much of a head-scratching loss is it if you lose to a one-loss North Carolina? Well, that's a, a lot of the head-scratching opportunities are now off the table. You know, I don't know I was, if... I mean, what, what's the biggest possible gaffe, Bill? Um, was it Syracuse? I think it was. Ooh, well, Clemson losing to South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Because, I mean, Alabama at this point, obviously losing to Auburn would be head-scratching. We've kind of covered that one. But, um, you know, like Ohio State. I think it's worse if if the number one seed in the playoff loses to a coachless uh, (laughs) South Carolina team in an in-state rivalry. Right. I think it's definitely your answer. Um, I hate that it's Clemson because of all the Clemson and crap, but, um, you know, it is. Well, I mean, it's just who's left. I mean, Ohio State only plays good teams now, you know, so they're not – there's no head-scratching there if they lose. Iowa could lose to Nebraska, which – or well, Purdue. Purdue would uh, be all sorts of head scratching. I mean, if Bama wants to lay down against Charleston Southern, then you know. I like with when I don't include the decimal point. The, my numbers right now say they have a one hundred percent chance of beating Charleston Southern. I it's like it's like ninety nine point eight or something, but still, that would be that, that. That's always kind of fun. I've got a question for you to shift off of the again the the top end because I hate. It's inevitable. It's what we do. It's what every sport does. I just hate that we go from having this bounty of things to talk about all year to all of a sudden it's like nine teams. Let's argue. Um, well, it used to be three teams. So, <laughs> what team that's not going to make the playoff? What teams are you most interested in watching in the next two to three weeks and in the bowl season? Um. Well, first of all, North Carolina, because I mean they murdered Duke and Miami. So, you know, I don't think they have a chance to get to the play. I mean, technically, if they if they continue at that pace and they beat, you know, Clemson 50 to nothing or something, sure. But I don't think they really have a chance to get in the playoff. But they're just – they hit a level the last two weeks that uh, is pretty startling considering, you know – and obviously Duke appears to be in, in the middle of another November fade. But, they, I mean, they crushed both of those teams. They went up immediately and quickly and, and just rode it out. So I'm, I'm really curious about them. Um, you know, Tennessee and Arkansas have begun to look like I thought they would at the beginning of the year, so kind of curious what they do. Uh, I hope that does not continue because both of their teams play Missouri and one of them needs to lose so that Gary Pinkle gets a bowl game. I, well, I guess technically you could get in at 5-7 and seven with the way the bowl picture is looking, but I don't want to think about that. Um, Arkansas is definitely my answer, um, but they're, you know, if, if we, don't, we can lose more than one team. Um, I'm really interested. Hey, I mean, maybe it, it's a birthright thing for me, but I'm going to be at a football game in a non-professional capacity this weekend uh, in, in Oxford for LSU Ole Miss. I'm, I'm going to have to find a TV for Georgia, Georgia Southern. Yeah. Just, just in case, which, by the way, are next-door neighbors in the F+. Or S&P, I'm sorry. Oh, God, seriously? I didn't even notice that. I think they're 39th and 40th. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of stuff like that that I am still intrigued by. Um Lots of SEC teams with kind of weird questions around them because the schools that are actually not in contention right now, I think, have higher stakes in terms of the offseason and kind of rallying support and and what coordinators will end up throwing on the sword. So um, how far is Auburn going to fall? Pretty far, I think. Um, I mean, Arkansas is just... Arkansas is a really poorly built explosive device, and so it's just you never really know. I mean, it's it's bad fireworks that got wet, and then you dry them out, and they kind of explode sometimes. But when they do, it's even better because it catches the yard on fire. Um, they're definitely not making the playoff, uh, and they are fascinating to me. Um, I think this seven and two LSU team is just as interesting as it ever has been because of less. I think the circumstances around what they've suddenly been unable to do are fascinating. Um, well, first of I all, always, yeah, LSU something. Ole Miss both are really interesting for good and bad reasons at the moment. Yeah. 
I think the uh, oh man. So here's the funny thing about Ole Miss um, is that there are a lot of people right now who want to make some serious changes uh, on the staff. And Hugh Freeze has shown that he's not really willing to do that in any – I mean, he's never really had a reason. He starts off with a 6-6 six and six year, and then he builds to two winning successful seasons after that. Um, I think um, if they're able to beat LSU and Mississippi State, he gets to keep all his equity, and he doesn't have to make the changes that a lot of people want him to make. So that ought to be interesting. Um, and they're also nearing trying to replicate that 2013 signing class. They're, they're, um, they'll have to ask Bud about this, but I know they have a major quarterback prospect. So um, that's just always a shambling. I mean, it, Ole Miss is just a – it's a drunk wedding every every week. Um, Stanford's always fascinating to me. I really hate – in fact, uh, one more – I'll throw this in just to give him a shout-out. Um, Twitter user Alex Gould. At Alex Gould one seven, why must Oregon and Stanford ruin each other's dreams every year? <laughs> I totally agree with this because they're two teams I love to see in the national picture um, because of the response that they elicit from people in our backyard in the Southeastern Conference, and because of the dynamic styles of play that they provide. I also like it when college football spans the country. I, I think it's better for the sport. Um, uh, yeah, that was I don't a know piece. why they do this to each other. It, it hurts me. <laughs> that was a piece in today's numerical. Actually, I think it was. Five of the last six uh, Stanford-Oregon losers have been top ten teams that then lost. And for the last five, um, for the last five games, the lower-ranked team has beaten the higher-ranked team. So that's crazy. I mean, that's how you, that's how you become one of the most valuable rivalries in the sports in the sport right there. You have um, that you're you're playing for very high stakes, and the game itself is massively unpredictable and weird. And that's that's awesome. That's how you get. I mean, it, there will always be dumb pushback because, you know, boo West Coast or whatever, but that rivalry is top-notch right now. Um, there's a lot of programs that I get interested in for, as a reporter because they are winning programs with um, a majority uh, of, of their fans and boosters and supporters um, being very, very vocally um, unhappy. So <laughs> I'm looking at U7-3 and three Georgia. I'm looking at U7-3 and three Penn State. Uh, I am looking at you, um, seven and three Oregon, honestly, uh, which is kind of a strange thing to say. So, uh, how those teams fare down the stretch a five and six Nebraska is, is a fascinating car wreck, yeah. you know, uh, and you know what, just to throw it in. And this is, this is where we're at in 2015, a seven and three Boise state Some people are pissed. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's just not the kind of environment they're used to i want to see what the hell georgia tech's going to do at three and seven i think they're i mean i don't i don't know i don't want to see paul johnson go anywhere but i'm not a georgia tech fan so i you know so yeah, a lot of teams have had i mean disappointing t- seasons sure but like really disappointing seasons jarring disappoint like auburn like freaking you know missouri with its offense and um you know, that does make things interesting georgia I mean, I've always, you know, we, we obviously discussed this uh, in print on the site a while back, but um, I mean, I, I still, you know, Mark Rick's track record overall, I, I value consistency over everything else. And, and when you have a blip like this, and it is a blip, um, obviously his teams t- have the tendency of losing games they shouldn't uh, at certain times and, and fine, whatever, but I'd rather have a team that's just consistently top 10 or 20 in, in almost every year, and Georgia is. 
And, you know, that's what I value. This year they're not. They're clearly not. But I give him a lot more slack for simply producing a top 20 product every year and coming close to uh, much, much, much more with relative frequency. Blah, blah, blah. We've talked about our curriculum before. But I kind of thought at this point he was safe until I remembered he finishes with Georgia Southern and Georgia Tech. Um, He could still blow a lot. Yes, absolutely. Um, Trudging forward, again, this is like me selling you guys on on all things not involving the playoff. Um, The Texas situation is a world unto itself. (laughs) I'm still working on a piece that we're going to, I think, move to the very, very end of the regular season because even as a writer, as a reporter, it is so volatile. It is so strange, and and the the poles shift so dramatically inside that world that there's just – you feel stupid trying to make any sense of it right now. It's absolutely fascinating to watch, and obviously I'm very objective there. I don't care one way or the other about Texas, but it just intrigues the hell out of me. Um, There are a lot of teams that are bad that I would like to give some comfort to. The two um, that I think are the most encouraging bad programs right now or or just losing programs is that I don't know if I would want to face, if I was a coach right now and I had to face a losing program, the last two losing programs I would want to play in the FBA or in in the power five would be Vanderbilt at four and six. And I think would be, uh, what, what is Iowa state like three and seven or something? Yeah. Three and seven. Those two teams are losing teams, historically losing programs that are awesome to watch. Right Vanderbilt now. will make you right play now. poorly. Like they're not, they, they might not play well enough to win, but they're going to make you play poorly because of that defense. So they are certainly um, still don't really know what their ceiling is, but yeah, no, they, I mean, they, they're the first team really to point out that Georgia might not be very good. We just didn't realize it at the time, I guess. Vanderbilt's defense has that, like, it's like creating a distracted driver. Like you're going to drive into your own garage door. <laughs> like it's not even so much pure power as it is Mason's ability to scheme those guys, scheme, scheme, you know, top flight offenses into just doing terrible, stupid things. Yeah, they kind of, what I've picked up with Vanderbilt especially is they, they will give you options. It's just they're going to be massively low percentage options that you probably aren't going to. They basically say, yeah, sure, if you can make that pass, go for it. And that's, you know, that's how they beat Missouri. Missouri was trying a ton of deep balls, made like a ton of almost amazing catches, made zero of those catches and, actually, and lost. So, I mean, they were inches away, but that was partially, at least, by design. They're like, yeah, sure, if you can beat us with that, go ahead, dude, but you can't. So, um, and we're going to take away the stuff that you, that is easy, and that's a pretty dang smart way of doing things. Well, we touched on Wisconsin earlier in the show, um, and Rubenstein and I talked a little bit about it on the selection committee. Badgers are eating, too. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just up here being Badgers, just doing our work. Don't mind us. We could easily finish the year 10-2 and two if they beat Iowa. Or not Iowa, I'm sorry, if they beat... Um, Northwestern and Minnesota, yeah. Northwestern and Minnesota, yeah, it was Minnesota and Iowa. Got conflated there. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's bad, man. Yeah, it's seriously bad. Um, one thing, as we've gone through the fun, like, supporting cast of, of November College Football, to go back to a question about um, weird possibilities, I think the Mike Riley-Nebraska team beating Iowa is pretty freaking awesome and weird and, and like, a strange way to end the whole Iowa narrative. I think that would be a uh, – I mean, I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. I'm just saying it's pretty strange. That would be like another course – that's what I was calling uh, Nebraska's win over Michigan State. Because of the way it happened, it really felt odd 
And so I just said, you know, the only way I can really explain it is like, you know, in a video game or something almost. It's, you know, it was a course correction. Michigan State hit was, should not have been undefeated. Uh, uh, Nebraska should not have had the bad record they had. So the universe just said, okay, let's just make this so. And then fixed and both of those wrongs. defender comes in on Tecmo Bowl when you're right. ass. Yeah, um, like just suddenly that was. Faster than everyone else, yeah. Yeah, that was just suddenly something that it, Michigan State was not going to be allowed to be undefeated anymore, and so therefore the ending happened. But uh, uh, The other thing that I looked down and noticed this weekend, it was kind of like the only hot take I delivered because I was on assignment. Southern Miss is 7-3. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's what phenomenal. What Duncan has done down there, this guy should be the – you want to hire a coach to resurrect a program? Hire that guy. Okay, I spent uh, two weeks – I drove to Memphis. I, I, I just absolutely, you know, uh, you know, went to bat for what Justin Fuente's done. And for all good reasons. So like, I think he's a hell of a, I think he's going to, he's going to land at a, a big job. He deserves it. He does everything right. Um, but the situation in Memphis, the only, the only situation in which I could say they've got it worse than Memphis might have been Southern Miss and Hattiesburg. Um, after Katrina enrollment hurt them, state funding hurt them. People don't realize this unless you're from that particular part of the United States. They had a tornado on their freaking campus after the hurricanes hit. Um, they had a terrible series of hires in the administration, the athletic department. They had a disaster year with Ellis Johnson. Um, it's a very fragile ecosystem to maintain success when you have no money and you're in a, a, a kind of a hard scrabble part of the United States in terms of, you know, just available resources. And Southern Miss has done a hell of a job, a hell of a job. So, yeah, like I play, you know, back when I had time for video games, I'd, you know, play the NCAA football game. And now my only really video game type distraction is a football manager, soccer game on my phone. Um, and, and with both of those games, there is basically like a, uh, you know, you follow this rebuilding plan. You strip everything down to the core. You play a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, and you stink that first year, and then you get better. Uh, and then in, in year three or four, you're winning, and it's really pretty easy. You just have to go through the process, and it's still, even though you know you'll probably end up okay, it still feels good to have you know brought this program from the rubble. It almost never actually works like that in reality, because losing brings with it so much crap in terms of just negative feelings and donations and attendance and people and kids quitting or transferring or whatever. And so it's so hard to actually pull that off to, to strip everything down to the core and then actually keep the core together enough to be good two years later. And that's, that's what he, that's what he's done. I mean, and they've been dynamite the last month, you know, they're playing crap teams, really, really bad teams, but they beat UTSA 32 to 10. They beat Charlotte 44 to 10, UTEP 34, 13 rice, Drummed a Rice team that almost beat Texas. Right, Rice in front of like eight people, uh, all Southern Miss fans, 65 to 10. I mean, that, those are um, dynamic performances right there. And, and they're back. They're, they're up in. It, 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 it is what it is, but they're pulling starters in conference play at the half. Yeah. I mean, that's. They, they, it's not supposed to work like that. And it so rarely does. So power to them. I mean, and, and it's been on both sides of the ball. They've been. They're a sound team now. They. You know, can't really run the ball uh, on either side, but they can throw the ball. They're they're efficient against the pass. They're a good conference USA team. They're sixty first overall in my in my you know awful rankings. Um, and they and they just they're rising quickly. They should beat the Old Dominion. That that Louisiana Tech game is going to be super fun, underrated fun, and it's going to be completely ignored because it's a Saturday after Thanksgiving. 
Um, no, I, I total kudos to them for being able to pull off something that's really easy on a video game and almost impossible in real life. Um, and to circle back before we get into the game schedule stuff for this week, uh, I'm going to ask you one more question. What is the what is going to be the the winningest, most pissed off uh, scenario this year? And so that's a really bad question. Let me explain. I think if Tennessee wins out no. at eight and four, they will have the most pissed off fan base for the dumbest, like uh, unjustified anger. I think would be the category. I think it's a tie between Tennessee and Penn State. You mean just if, in terms of if they win, won out and they get like nine and four, and they'll be pissed because they lost the four. Yes, you would still okay. have a majority of the fans that are angry. Because in Tennessee's case, they, they really booted a chance to beat Oklahoma, and then they, they really did the same thing at Florida. Yeah, they, they booted a lot of games this year. Um, but, but, Bill, 500 last year, won a bowl game, 8-4 and four this year, go to a bowl game, build, build, build. They weren't supposed to be that good this year. Says you. They were steady building. I saw Josh Dodds in the spring, and I thought, exa- I, I thought, he, I thought he was exactly what we, what we saw this year. Yeah, I, I mean, and here's where, I mean, I realize I'm the weird one, and I'm not, you know, pretending like I'm superior, but I, when you look at things from, in terms of the numbers instead of the, the records, I mean, that's, that's what I do. That's, um, and so Tennessee right now is 17th um, in F+, plus, so 21st in mine and 17th in Fermo's, and um, that's pretty much exactly where I expected them to be this year. You know, in terms of they they were they cracked the top thirty last year. I thought that you know people talking about top fifteen or top ten or whatever was probably a little too much, but I figured they'd be in that fifteenth to twenty fifth range, and they are. And so, wait, you know, are you saying are you, are you agreeing or disagreeing that if they finish the season with two more wins and they're eight and four and they go to like I don't know Tampa or something, Gator Bowl, Bowl or game, something, yeah, that is that bad. That's you know. There should be, there should absolutely be regret, you know, for the missed opportunities earlier in the year, but that would be complete and total validation that they're headed in the right direction. It's, yeah, and without, again, I should ring, we should have a sound effect every time we get to the crux, the core of this podcast being is I don't, I, I validate what you do the way, and I don't measure things, you measure things. The world in which I operate expectation, money, things that happen behind closed doors, culture, all the things that are non-numeric. You're eight and four. This is a hot garbage train wreck. And really the one program that was an elite program, top 30 program in the 90s and the aughts that was in danger of falling out of that for a long, long time because of athletic department debt, because of atrophy in recruiting, because of a series of bad hires, because of perception, da 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 I get that. I mean, I was standing on the field when they when they just absolutely ate it against Oklahoma. Um, I, I get the problems that they have, but in the long view, and the, and, and the, just the competitions they're winning in recruiting, to be this pissed off if you're eight and four to me is insane. Yeah, there's regret and there's anger, and so if you're was, not. You, you you don't get to operate with an Alabama right. mentality until you're Alabama. Yeah, no, it's it's regret versus anger for me. Like when you're clearly good, but you let a couple games get away. Gosh, that stinks. You know, that's uh, you know, and and you can even be kind of 
you know, superficially mad at the coach for that. Like, I mean, I, I'm not even slightly a Tennessee fan, and I was mad at Butch Jones and, and the offensive coordinator for the way they blew those Oklahoma and Florida games. That was ridiculous. But if you're clearly good and you're clearly improving, then that's just a regret thing. Like, gosh, I wish we'd have figured that out. You know, we think of what we think of where we could have been this year, but we were clearly awesome. That's, you know, that, the coach's job is to make you awesome. And eventually, eventually, like the Mark Rick kind of, we, we blew that game and we shouldn't have. We do that every year. I, that catches up to you eventually. But right now when Tennessee's in, still in building mode, that's just, that's secondary to the fact that they're actually becoming good to very good. And they are. So suck it up. <laughs> September was, a, was very frustrating. And since then, it's been pretty fun. Um, looking at the schedule for this week, uh, I see a lot of coaching-related items which are hard not to talk about. Um, I could touch briefly on things like Georgia Tech at Miami. Uh, Paul Johnson really, really needs to win that. Miami would further possibly making an interim a head coach, although I don't think that's going to happen with the win. Sure. Iowa not. State at K State. Um, if Iowa State can win this, I really, really highly suggest that Iowa State not make a change. Um, those are the two that jumped out at me real fast. Hey, Arizona, Arizona State. Hey. What the? Hmm. Strange. A lot of, a lot of well, strange congrats, congrats for Arizona for beating Utah. That was something. Yeah, it was. Um, strange stuff going on in Arizona. Um, all the marquee games are pretty evident. It's a lot easier and harder to run down a football schedule now as we get into November. We know you're going to be watching TCU in Oklahoma, obviously. Um, uh, LSU Ole Miss may have a little marquee interest. Um, definitely doesn't have anything to do with the playoff. <laughs> um, USC at Oregon, kind of the same thing, kind of like a, like a B-squad type. Uh, interesting to watch. No, um, I do think that, that Helton has – a legit shot there now um it's going to be a, a really crowded marketplace once the season's over and they start talking to people officially but keep on keeping on dude yeah i mean if you went out it was kind of like Edo. nobody was really taking Edo seriously as a as a permanent replacement and then they started winning and suddenly it became kind of awkward um like usc was didn't really ever seem to be uh taking the idea of orgeron seriously but everybody else was like uh guys <laughs> So after, I mean, yeah, I think after the Sarkeesian thing went the way it did, a lot of people have turned back around and and realized what they had. So, yeah. and Hel- Helton's a hell of a lot closer to Ogeron than Sark was. Is so. Um, anything else jumping at you on the schedule? Uh, really bad time for Mississippi State to be going to Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, Arkansas has a lovely schedule here of just cleaning up whatever uh, Alabama messed up the week before, uh, or roughed up, I should say. Um, yeah, I mean, Baylor, Oklahoma State's going to be awesome. But, you know, I, I will, I mean, I, I look at those lesser games that maybe we ignore. Boston College still has a good defense, so Notre Dame can't mess around. People are, Boston College can't score, which is kind of a problem. But, you know, um, get some turnovers and play good defense, and you can be just about anybody. So Boston College, they'll still need to handle their business against Boston College. Um, it would not be a podcast of ours if we didn't mention Memphis Temple. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the stakes there are now lower because both teams have lost, but um, those are still two sound teams, so that could be still pretty fun. Uh, I'd say the one, the one that's a little bit more interesting to me on the coaching side is actually on Friday at Cincinnati and South Florida. Um, this was supposed to be more of a breakout year for Gunnar Keel and Cincinnati and Tuberville. Um, if they drop another one, if they finish seven and five, I think that changes the dynamic up there. 
And then uh, Willie Taggart saved his job flat out. I, yeah. I, I can say this for a fact. Willie yeah. Taggart saved his job last week beating Temple. Yeah, I, I noticed something this morning. If I hadn't had a million other things to say in numerical, I probably would have written about it a little bit. Like right now, Cincinnati, um, they're 49th in F+. And so I was trying to think back to the beginning of the season. Like what did I expect from them? I, I think I had them number one overall in, in, in the American. And I, in my head, I think I had them as basically like a top 35 to 45 team. Um, and I thought that would be the best in the American. So, I mean, they're a little below that range, but their biggest problem has been that Memphis is awesome and Houston is awesome and Navy's awesome and, and Temple is better than expected. And suddenly being in that 40 to 50 range only gets you like fifth in the AAC instead of first. So they can, they're kind of a victim of doing kind of what they were expected to do while a bunch of other teams did something much better and, and they're losing games kind of because of that. I mean, they're six and four right now. I would have expected a top 50 AAC team to have a chance at 10 and two. So power to everybody else in the AAC, including, you know, now number 57 USF uh, for just making that conference so much better than it was supposed to be. We didn't mention Ohio state and Michigan. We weren't, or Michigan state. We weren't trying to be dicks. Um, we just sort of assume that you're going to watch it. Yeah. Yep. Um, Texas A&M going to lose at Vanderbilt. <laughs> that would, I mean, that's another – you better handle your business because – That's weak on strong right now. Yeah. Let's see. What do the numbers uh, say about that one? My, I said – right now – oh, man. Like, Derek Mason's got a job for four more years if he wins <laughs> that. Right now, the, my projections have uh, Vandy – have A&M winning 24 to 23. Um, 53% chance for A&M. Complete and total toss-up. I'm trying to find a more dire situation that doesn't involve an SEC team and identity and, and what are they going to do. Um, that is funny with Sumlin right now because, I mean, that, this will be two straight years, kind of almost three if you count Johnny Manziel's second season, where they have underachieved what was expected of them. And yet you still expectations, yeah. and yet you still have someone immediately popping up as like, you know, when you know, USC fired their coach, will they hire Kevin Sumlin and all that? Um, and obviously those are just rumors that, that you know uh, – we writers start um, and, and not anything that the athletic directors are doing. It's just that, you know, generic hot list that we always come up with, hey, but yeah. he's still, he's still really well regarded and he's still an awesome recruiter. And, and there have been circumstances in terms of dismissals and whatnot. They're still for like the second straight year. They're still in, extremely young. And at some point that has to stop. But yeah, I mean, A&M fans are getting fed up with him, and, and yet other fans are still kind of yearning for him. It's weird. Is there a, like an election or a, Holiday on Thursday. The Thursday night slate is ULM, Texas State, East Carolina, UCF, and then over on ESPN News, Coastal Carolina at Liberty. Ooh, hey, that's a, that's actually a, the best game of the bunch right there. Um, did the NFL claim this Thursday for something? I, 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 I don't know. That's usually the answer. Normally we're stumping for that kind of stuff, but that's uh, – you don't smell that one. You just sell that one. Um, hmm. All right. Uh, decent week. You know what that means. Anything that isn't marquee turns into crazy. So uh, we'll probably be back here next week talking about some, um, I don't know. I don't know what you can do anymore after after the laterals and punts and I don't know. Yeah, the ball is set kind of high for craziness in October. We're going to need an apparition. We're going to need some element of the supernatural. Maybe, uh, I don't want to go cliche with zombie, but maybe sort of a paranormal force, a poltergeist perhaps. Um, so you're saying Western Carolina is going to beat uh, – I mean, Charleston Southern is going to beat Alabama then. That's a lot of paranormal. That's like a, a whole lot. 
Um, I don't know. I was just thinking more of like a 70s horror film type experience, but uh, you're talking about changing the entire world. End of day scenario, <laughs> Nick Cage movie. Um, who knows? Maybe Charlotte will be Kentucky. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs>